0: I'm Ruth Sturkey and welcome to Money Expresso, no froth conversations exploring money and life. I know from my experience as a financial planner that we humans are often inhibited when it comes to talking about money. Many of us struggle to see that money is really just a means to an end and that the decisions we make around money can change not only our life, but the life of others as well. I'm going to be speaking with guests from a variety of backgrounds and asking them to share their personal story and the influence money has had along the way. I'm also going to be delving into some of those tricky money and life questions that I've seen my clients wrestle with over the years. My hope is that the shared experience of my guests will help you think maybe differently about money and ultimately make better money and life decisions. Hello, and welcome to the second bonus episode of Money Expresso. Have you had a chance to listen to the first one yet? If you haven't, you might want to take a listen before launching into this podcast, but no problem at all. If you just want to get cracking, you can always go back later. I, really just can't believe that we're at the end of series one. I just feel so lucky that so many people said yes when I asked them to be guests to what was in fact a brand new project for me. And what a fabulous bunch of guests they were coming from all walks and stages of life. The one thing they all had in common, though, was their generosity to share their personal stories and their wisdom. These two bonus shows shine a light on some of the key messages and learnings from those conversations. The first episode looked at uh, a number of subjects, including debt, planning, budgeting, saving, investing, and finally giving. This episode focuses more on some of the more profound and philosophical conversations I had with my guests around money and life. Perhaps a good place to start is with my colleague and client director at Paradigm Norton, Martin Ruskin. Now Martin shared with me, he struggled with debt. He also shared his experience as a lay preacher Let's join Martin with a question I posed around money and religion. I found his answer fascinating. Forgive my ignorance on this, if it if it sounds to be, I don't mean it, and I don't mean it rudely in any way. How do you see the um, how do you see religion and money sit in together?
1: I mean that's a big one.
0: Is <laughs> it, it? Is, it's it is uh, a bit too big to, a for re- us no, to no, get to no. the
1: bottom I mean, of today. I, um, so. So um, so for me, uh, I think one of the most misquoted verses of the Bible is, uh, and this is the misquote, the misquote is that money is the root of all evil. Right. So in other words, you can look at that and think, you know, money is, uh, is, is a subject that you don't want to go anywhere near.
2: Yeah.
1: Actually, what the verse says, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay. So there is something inherent within money yeah. which, if used incorrectly, could be a force of great evil.
2: Mm.
1: But, of course, the reverse is true. The proper use of money could change the world.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, I've not done my own kind of in-depth study about this. It's just stuff I've read that mm. Jesus spoke more about money in the Gospels than virtually any other subject. So it's it's your relationship with money mm. is a key relationship for good or ill. You know, I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that money is a neutral issue. Mm. It can either be a force for real good, or it could be a force for, you know, really horrid stuff. Yeah. Um so people's relationship with money, which I guess is you know, part of the whole reason why you're wanting to do this podcast, yeah. I think is, is a fascinating one.
0: One of the questions I've really enjoyed asking my guests about is their spending habits, particularly the things they spend freely on and those they begrudge. I specifically remember asking that question to Holly Mackay, founder of Boring Money, and was really taken with her openness as she reflected on where she finds herself in life as a single mother to two youngest children, who's in the process of building her second business, bang in the middle of COVID, as she reflects what money and life is really all about. One of the things that always fascinates me about money and the way we all are as human beings, so this is talking about you personally and and not your readers um, the spending choices we make and where we're happy to spend money without thought and areas where we begrudge and notice (laughs) every penny how does that play out for you
3: I yeah I've been thinking about this a bit most recently actually because I'm not a natural spender and I don't I'm not a magpie Ruth I've never really coveted you know for me the idea of spending a thousand pounds on a handbag is just like why would you you can go to Topshop and get a nice one for Absolutely. 60 quid um, so there's very few areas of my life where I spend in what I'd kind of consider a profligate way to the extent that when I sold my first business and I did make a decent amount money from it and I remember talking to someone about a month after because to my horror this was all in the press right because my business was bought by a listed company so it was very very public which I found mortifyingly embarrassing and and this old chap sort of said to me oh have you bought yourself a new car then you know obviously his (laughs) his dream sort of thing and I went yeah actually as as it happens I did and his eyes glistened (laughs) and he said what did you buy and I said, oh, I bought my dad's 20-year-old Nissan X-Trail for £2,000 because I love driving cars where it doesn't matter if you drive into walls and things yeah. like that and you bounce off the hedgerows and who cares. And he was very disappointed, very disappointed in that, that, that story. <laughs> um, but it just, I, the one exception to that is I've always spent money on holidays. I mm. love travelling. Mm. Um, I think I'm a hippie and hidden in a capitalist body. I love Southeast Asia, the Backpackers Trail, all of that. Yeah. So, you know, I will spend money on going to far-flung places and occasionally treating myself to a night in a sort of lovely hotel like Raffles when I yeah. went to Cambodia. You know, gorgeous. Um, but apart from that, Ruth, I haven't spent much money. And and when, you know, you asked me to come on this podcast and you said you were going to... to to talk to me about money it is something I've been questioning a bit more I think since since Covid since <clears throat> lockdown I've obviously <clears throat> excuse me been spending a lot more time at home which is looking a bit ramshackle I'm looking out the window now there's weeds all over the garden um, and I've sort of you know I, I when I sold my first business I, I bought a property and, and paid off a mortgage and, and did a few things but I, I haven't really had cash flow you know I haven't had sort of cash sitting around and I haven't really spent anything Ruth and so I'm suddenly sitting here going okay I might have these assets
2: yeah
3: but they're just kind of hieroglyphics on paper mm. you know they don't mm. They don't do much for me. They give me, I'm, I'm not meaning to sound spoilt in any way, shape or form. They give me a backup, right? They're my armour. Uh, it's my security blanket. And I know I'm very lucky and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for all of that. I don't mean to underplay that. But I have been sitting around a bit more going, should I just sell those bricks and mortar and and buy stuff? And it's not something that comes... Naturally, to me, as, mm. as a thought process, but I'd like to go on a really nice posh holiday. Mm. I mean, when I say posh, I don't mean somewhere sort of, you know, horrible, some some sort antiseptic sort of big posh hotel. I'm quite happy in a beach hut, but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eat well, fly well, <laughs> have the luxury to go and have a posh GT and in a posh hotel bar, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, should I just get someone in to fix up the garden? Mm. Should I do this? Should I spend a £1,000 on a handbag, Ruth? Mm. I mean, I don't think, and, and also, I know this is really vain, but I'm looking at Zoom now. I've been on Zoom all year. My mum would be horrified. I hope she doesn't listen to this. I've even been thinking about, should I get Botox? You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm having that sort of, I don't know, maybe it's my midlife crisis, Ruth, coming up, but I'm suddenly going, you know, wh- what is the point of all this hard work? And all the sacrifices that you make if you run, run your own business and, and all of the time that you put in, if you don't spend it on the occasional sort of shiny thing. Well, so and I'm having that sort of question at the moment.
0: It's, and it's such a valuable thing to think about, isn't it? Because you know what is money for? And you know I've spent years talking to clients and typically the answers that come out are freedom, security, choice, time and when you're growing a business of course some of those things are pretty constrained for you but nonetheless you know I yeah I would say what is money for and and a, and a subject I want to come back to in, in, in another podcast is the second home dilemma you, you know the the benefits or otherwise of having money tied up in assets that yeah possibly you use frequently or infrequently and the additional complications that can bring to life. So money is a fascinating thing and you're absolutely right to couch it in, you know, these aren't easy discussions. And I know if anybody's listening and, you know, think oh God, poor you having a second home, that's not what we're meaning. It, it genuinely is, you know, what is important to us in life, what really matters. And, uh, you know, they're not easy questions to answer. Um, I think,
3: and and I also sort of am very conscious too that that material possessions, you know, don't don't plug the gap, do they? And I also think something over the last sort of twelve months, where my behaviours possibly change. I've talked about my love of travel just now. But I was thinking about the October half term, you know, I want mm. some sunshine. I might have just rushed in the past to book to go somewhere with the kids. But I suddenly went, hang on, I just want to go and see my mum and dad. Yeah. And, and so there's that sort of the flip side of the coin is the things that I have missed. I'm sure I'm like everyone, right? Mm. The things that I've craved over the last 12 months don't actually cost very much money which takes me back to the thing is like you know I could go and buy that a thousand pounds handbag probably Mm. I'm lucky to be in a position to be able to say that it makes me feel a bit flippant but Mm. to illustrate the point you know I could go and do that I'm probably just going to walk you know it's like driving a new car out of the showroom. I couldn't bring myself to do it Ruth because I'd just be weeping inside about how every mile I drove had cost me about a thousand pounds as I drove away from the showroom. But the things that, you know, we've craved over the last year, a pint in a pub garden, Mm. a chat with a friend, Mm. um, a hug from my mum you know, those those don't cost money, do they? Mm. So, you know, and, and to your point, by the way, about the second home, absolute flipping nightmare over the last 12 months, a, a total money drain because I let it out as well or attempt to let it out. But you know, I went there for a week um, just recently. It's in Devon. Um I know it's magic. Mm. And 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 being able to go there and it, it made me realize actually I've looked at this through an investment lens in the past. it it, it isn't really the primary thing it's doing for me is not generating me an income yeah it's giving me access to a part of the world that I love
0: yeah and actually very often the decisions we make and the things that we purchase I think ultimately when you boil it down is an emotional decision isn't it and and actually recognizing that value just for that is it makes it worthwhile doesn't it and uh that's lovely to hear lovely to hear Um, as somebody who was brought up in Devon, it's a beautiful part of the world to to escape to. I asked a similar question to Michelle Cracknell, former CEO of the Pensions Advisory Service and recipient of a CBE for her services to the pensions industry. What is it that you find very easy to spend money on, whereas with something else that you find it very difficult to quantify its worth? So, for instance, some people will spend money without really thinking about it on cars, but would really struggle to spend money on new shoes, for instance. Do you have any of those kind of juxtapositions?
2: Um, I I think everybody has something, some completely irrational thing that they spend money on, um, because I'm quite a rational um, person that thinks about things. um, And yet even I have to, I even I know that there are some things I'm completely irrational about, um, so my irrational spend um, has to be perfume. Oh. Um, I know that that bottle contains liquid that is probably worth less than 20p and, and even when I put it in its nice fancy box it's probably worth less than a pound and yet I spend an irrational amount of money on it
4: because it makes me
2: and, you know, and during lockdown, if I was having a, a dark day, I would put some perfume on. <laughs> and so that's mm. my, my rational spend when I know. So it's not about the amount of money, but I just know that the amount I spend on it definitely isn't sort of you like the value of the goods that, that, that I'm buying. Um, but I think you always have to have, you always, you know, you always have to have fun with money. You can't be mm. too austere with it. Mm. Um, I, think, I think the analogy is with diets. You know, if you put yourself on a really austere diet, it's never going to last. Whereas if you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to limit my calorie intake because I love chocolate and I am still going to have a chocolate mm. every night before I go to bed, um, then you're more likely to stick with it. Yeah. And I, I sort of feel the same about money in that, you know, you've got to have some things which are just sheer fun. Mm. Um, And I guess one of the other things that I always have in the back of my mind is that I I do tend to have, because I know it works for me, I do tend to have, whenever I get some money, I do tend to have the sort of 50-50 thought process about it. And what I mean by that is that when I used to get my bonuses as an employee um, working for a company, I tend to to always to say, you know, I've got this bonus, so I'm going to spend 50% on it. On frivolous fun things and 50% of it I'm going to pay off the mortgage or I'm going to put into my pension fund or I'm going to do whatever with it and that always worked for me and um, because always meant that I didn't feel completely guilty because I had done something sensible with 50% of the money, but also I was enjoying, as people should do, I was enjoying, you know, the rewards that I'd been given because I'd worked hard. Um, And I I guess that's a sort of philosophy um, that I have, and it helps me enjoy my irrational spending as much as it, I enjoy the fact that actually after my irrational spending, I've still got something left over. It's a great balance, isn't
0: it? And I, and I, I really like that as, as, a, as a kind of general rule, isn't it? It's money you've not had, use 50% of it to, to treat yourself and then do something sensible with, with the balance. And I think that's a very good rule. And finally on spending, I asked Tina Katari, founder of Another Way Now, an organization set up to shine a light on human rights abuses, about her spending habits.
2: Those are the things I'd spend money on. I spend money on my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three basic principles around that. Is health, home, education. Those three things have got to be satisfied. A
0: subject I've often talked about, particularly to my clients and friends, is the concept of enough. Now, the word enough can make us think about either scarcity, kind of that just having enough, or perhaps abundance, having more than enough. Emmanuel Gobbio, author and keynote speaker on leadership, shares his pearls of money wisdom on just this subject.
4: This, this is something I discovered quite quite late on, I guess, in, in my life, and maybe I should have discovered. I think there's two words that, that I've always associated with money, one which I always have, and one which I more recently became more important. And I think if we can actually use those two words equally as individuals, we probably would end up in a better place. But the first word is more. I think, you know if you grow up the way I grew up, if you, you know, you always think, okay, how do I get more? Mm-hmm. But I think the other word, which I should have used earlier is enough. And and that word is what is enough, mm-hmm. you know, actually what is enough? What, what, because more becomes uh, its own self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. and you end up chasing more and and actually you become really worried that you're not getting more and it becomes all consuming, but actually, you know, when you, and, and especially now, you know, I'm in my, early 50s and, and coming towards the end rather than the beginning of my career, you, you start to think about, OK, so what is enough? Yeah. Why? Why more? You know, what for? What, what, what is this all about? What am I trying mm. to get out of it? And so I think for me, you know, if I could keep the ratio between more and enough mm. in, in balance, Mm. And I think that's a much more healthy and it kind of takes us back to the earlier conversation about, you know, a mature conversation, at least with myself is one where it's not just more, 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 which is a very childlike attitude, yes. but also a more for what, you know, what yeah. is enough and, and when do I stop? So, yeah. so that for me is that the balance between more and enough and, and using those two words.
0: I like that very much and I can almost see there's a sketch and it's uh, a it's it's a it's like a it's on a pivot it's like a balance isn't it with more than enough and I can see that moving. And on a similar theme another thought from Michelle Cracknell on the subject of true wealth. A word wealth. How do you define wealth?
5: Oh, gosh,
2: it's, um, the way I don't define it is quite often how we define it in financial services. And quite often you see, you know, you get a private banker because you've hit this particular milestone of the mm. amount of money. Um, and I think that is totally wrong. Mm. Um, I suppose I define wealth by having the money to do what matters most to you. Which isn't, which is different from having the money to do what you'd like to do, because I mean, we'd all love to go on exotic holidays or or have, you know, um, you know, fancy goods or whatever it might be. So it's different from what you'd like to have, but what really matters to you?
0: I really like Michelle's clarity of thinking around what wealth means to her. So many people seem to believe that the achievement of status, position or wealth will somehow make you happy. Very often missing the fact that in the immortal words of John Lennon, life is what happens whilst you're busy doing other things. Which reminds me of two childhood memories that my friend and client director at Paradigm Norton, Tommy Watson, told me about when we spoke.
6: In terms of, I think almost childhood or money memories or, that have, have really stood with me. I think it's it's more a couple of things that my dad in particular, well, used to say but actually still does say to this day. Uh two phrases that will sound quite contradictory. Um <laughs> one of them was was uh, are they happy though? And the other one was it's only money, which which sounds quite flippant but wasn't wasn't sort of meant that way. Mm. Um and it would be so it's a you know are they happy would be you've come home from school and you're moaning about your mate, whose mum and dad have just bought the fancy new car, or they've they've got a new coat, or they've got the football boots that you wanted, and my dad would just look at you and say, "Yeah, but are they happy?" Like, <laughs> and it, it was just that it doesn't <laughs> matter, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other side of it, you know, its only money was was the complete opposite, and that, and I think probably the most the best example of this is when I was quite a bit older, so uh, when I was just about to graduate from university, I'd we'd finished all our exams and had a couple of trips lined up, one of which was a big getaway with the, the, the group of lads from university, I think it was 16 or 17 of us going to Prague for a couple of days, at the a big last um, and then I'd also booked my first holiday with my then very new girlfriend who's now my wife, uh, mm-hmm. 13, 14 years later and we were going away for a week and I was at home working, um, stripping wallpaper in houses and ripping gardens out and all sorts of rubbish like that to try and earn a little bit of money for these holidays and it soon became quite apparent that whilst I'd pay flights and accommodation I wasn't going to have enough money to be able to do enjoy both trips and I'd be that one that was away asking for money or Emma and I would go away and not have to be able to do what we wanted to do Um, and I remember my dad just his approach was well it's only money I can I can loan you some money you can pay me back when you get back get yourself on the feet and I think it's always been that approach of yeah it's an experience it's worth paying money yeah. for and you know the material things don't matter and actually looking back at that um, whilst I'm still really close to quite a few friends from university there's probably a few people that I haven't really seen since that trip yeah uh, and would have missed a great sort of last last while with the lads and yeah god knows what would have happened if my girlfriend of four months at the time I binned off the the first holiday to go away with with the boys <laughs> instead we would still be together all these years later I don't know so I think um, your
0: dad was very wise there, Tommy. I think he obviously saw that there was promise in Emma as a as a future daughter in law, and uh, and I love that. Um, but are they happy? That so, uh, yeah. you know, that can sound quite glib, but it's also very true, isn't it? Yeah, you, you know, and he still
6: um, he still says that to us now all the time. it's, yeah, uh, it's one yeah. of his his sayings.
0: It's and and a kind of almost like a follow you know. Is like yeah you know, is around you. Have you got your health, isn't it? You know, are they happy if you've got your health? But it's only money as well. Yeah, like learn to learn to recognise the real value. And finally, as we get towards the end of this second bonus episode, I'd like to leave you with Stephanie Brobby, founder of the Good Ancestor Movement's Money Pole of Wisdom around the power and control that money can inadvertently have on you and I.
5: Well, this was something that I suppose is, you know, for particular context in my life m- quite recently. But I told you about my, my friend, a dear friend of mine, who on New Year's Eve told me that uh, in 2019, told me that there were more uh, food banks and branches of McDonald's in the UK, which was horrifying. She also told me that night that according to Dr. Nicholas Nassim Talib, the three most harmful addictions in life are heroin, carbohydrates and a monthly paycheck, <laughs> and and I found that incredibly arresting because it's hilarious but it's also qu- quite sobering mm. because um and obviously you know I, I mentioned to, it to a friend recently and she said oh well you know I, I think she's fr- she's freelance and she'd love a monthly paycheck you know regular paycheck and of course a regular paycheck is is an absolute blessing it's it's great to have regular income and. it it can also be a a trap and something to be wary of I think and Mm. in in different ways and I think I think why it really spoke to me is is I think what it's saying is don't you know don't let that money have so much power over you you know and and that has you know as I've gone through my journey of understanding my relationship to wealth I have always aspired to make money serve me rather than serving money because I think that's that's really important um, for you know being able to enjoy money as kind of a, a, a passport for freedom and, and choice, mm-hmm. rather than something that um, is you know going to make you feel very bound up and and fearful. Um, and I know I fully appreciate it. I can say that today in a very privileged position, but um, it was just something that will never leave me actually.
0: So that's it for this second Money Expresso, Money Pearls of Wisdom bonus episode. It's been a real treat for me to go back over my first series of Money Expresso to dig out some of my guests' thought-provoking words and teachings. To be honest, there could have been so many I could have chosen from. My job certainly wasn't hard. And I really hope you enjoyed it, just to get those uh, reminders and tasters of what you've heard before. Now, just before you go, I wanted to tell you about a final pre-Christmas bonus episode, which will be super useful if you find yourself struggling with the last-minute Christmas presents. Yes, it is the question in the podcast that I know you really look forward to. It's a compilation of our guest best buys for under £30. It will be out in December, just before Christmas, so plenty of time for any last-minute purchases. Be sure not to miss it. I'll see you then. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. I'd really appreciate it if you could take a couple of minutes of your time to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts to subscribe, rate, and give a five-star review for Money Expresso. Apparently, this helps more people to find the podcast so we can help more people think differently about their money and their life. If you've got any thoughts, comments, or questions on any of the matters discussed, or life and money generally, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter or LinkedIn, at Ruth Sturkey. Of course, the conversations with my guests are not intended as advice. My intention is to merely share our guests' money and life experiences to entertain, educate, and inform you. Any form of investing involves risk, and the value of your investments may go down as well as up. So please do speak with a financial planner before making any investments to make sure they're the right ones for you. Thank you.